Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. This is Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parikh. Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Parikh's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence, and now here's your host, Divya Park. Good morning, listeners. So thrilled to be here with you. It's Tuesday morning, and I love it. So for those of you who have got a box of a couple of those that I've talked about, the Entrepreneur's Garden, Expert to Influencer, that can help you become the influencer you want to be, whether you are a corporate professional, a business leader, or a thought leader. Or if you're thinking of starting out your business, or if you're in the corporate world and are looking to have that entrepreneurial mindset. So a lot of our books will share with you the tools and skill sets that you need to up-level your life. 
So thank you to those who have got our books because part of the profits from our books go to kiva.org where we are helping entrepreneurs across the globe. And it is such a joy and honor to do that. And yes, it may be a tiny drop and yet together we can make a huge difference. And on that note, I invite you to take one hour of your time every month and help somebody out with no strings attached. Just passing on the kindness because not only it's going to make you feel good, think about it. Even if 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, going up to 100 million people did that every month, just one hour of their time, we're talking a major impact. And keep sharing stories with us as to how you're doing. I want to share a story today about Wiki, how she used her one hour. So folks, what Vicky did was Vicky created a surprise for her neighbor because her neighbor is always helping out everyone. And she had a surprise party for her in the cul-de-sac and the neighbor was so thrilled and had tears in her eyes. So it's little things. Let's bring it back to people that we love or it may be strangers. All right, let's invite our guest, David. Welcome, David. Divya, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you this morning. Yeah, it's a joy to have you here. So David, share with us. We usually start out at the beginning of your life, which is in childhood. Do you recall a moment that still stands out for you today? Um, I do. I, so my first memory of childhood is um, running outside naked when I was probably 18 months old, just after taking a bath and it was springtime and just running down the middle of our sidewalk to the front yard and screaming with the glee that only a little child knows at just how beautiful it was to be alive. Oh, wow. That's, you must have a sharp memory that it goes back that fast. And you're absolutely right. You know, children are so free. They learn. I mean, they don't even learn. Like they just kind of come to this world and know how to enjoy every moment. They're right there in the moment. So as you grew up, what were your interests? For me, so I had an interesting background and in then I grew up in the military. My dad was in the Marines. And so we traveled around and moved quite a bit. Um, so I was very creative. I had a very creative mind. I loved to draw. I loved to write. And those were parts of what helped kind of allowed me to find stability as I went through, as we moved from place to place, because obviously friendships were changing every two or three years and that was kind of disruptive. And so having the ability to express myself through writing and through drawing was something that really kept me grounded. Yeah. And uh, thank you for your dad, because, you know, so many times we don't even realize what families are supporting for our folks, our heroes in these services because all of us take things so so many things for granted and now it's important super important to be grateful for those who are supporting us so thank you for that and as you grew up as you said that you learned to develop and adapt and as you grew up like 
did you want it to follow your dad? I, you know, initially I didn't. And it was, I didn't like moving around. I mean, after, especially after a while when I, we, you know, and, and part of it was I had a great experience. We lived on three years on the island of Okinawa, Japan, and I was just coming into teenage, my teenage time at that time. So that was fascinating to be in a foreign country and be the foreigner in that country was such an exciting time. And then I realized when we came back to the United States that my exposure to Eastern philosophy was something that very few of my classmates had shared. And so it was kind of this weird feeling. And I writer, I had some success when I was in high school that I got uh, national recognition for a short story I wrote. I had poetry that won contests, but I didn't have confidence. I did not have the confidence. And so it's a weird thing to say, but I did. I followed my, I ended up following my dad's footsteps because it was partly, this is how I can pay for school. And then it was also not having an idea of what life outside the military was like. So I kind of went to that comfort zone of, I will join the military as a way to pay for college. And then as I really started to get into the military mindset, it was, okay, this is something that I want to do for a long time. Yeah. And as you mentioned that, that's all you had seen. So you joined the military and now you have been a civilian as well. So thank you for your services as well. Can you sure. share with us that as civilians, what are the things that we take for granted? It's a great, that's a, that's a, such a great question to especially in the post pandemic world that we live in today. What I came to appreciate about being in the military, both growing up in the military and then joining the military was you are so externally focused. You're not focused on building your dreams. You're focused on the world outside of, of you basically. And in some ways in the military, it was like growing up in the military was fascinating because I remember going to the beach and after a while, you just take it for granted that you see jets flying overhead or you see helicopters with Marines like landing down the beach or boats with, you know, Navy ships off the shore and Marines coming ashore. And that's just, that's just Saturday at the beach. You don't realize that that is such a small percentage of the U S population that experiences, you know, that has that experience. And then when you join the military, it's really, it's about serving something other than yourself. And so I had the great fortune to serve in Somalia as part of the initial landing force. And it's not about you at all. It's about doing something for others without really thinking about yourself. And when I got out to, when I left the Marines in 2006, that was a big shift because I realized that not everyone had that sort of selflessness about themselves. And some people could be in jobs in corporate America that were very, um, you know, just out for themselves in terms of being a seller and wanting to make as much money as possible. What we take for granted is really the freedom that we have. And it is, it is fantastic, especially when you think of, you know, food is ab in abundance here, water's abundance. We don't have any concerns of real security in our lives compared to being in other parts of the world. And, and when you realize that 85% of the world, you know, lives on just a few dollars a day, that's something I feel like a lot of people take for granted because it's, it's a pretty good life that we live here, especially if you're in the United States. Absolutely. And you did share that. And those are the things we take for granted. Now for you personally, valuer in Marines, what would you say were your top three to five lessons that you brought 
and carried with yourself for the rest of your life. Wow. Um, my, certainly the top thing that comes to mind for me is that you have to constantly be working on improving yourself. And that was something that we took every day, whether we were training, whether we were cleaning, whatever we were doing, but it's always about knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement. And it's just, and that's something that I've carried with me to this day and habits I've, I've developed. The other, really one of the big other lessons I've learned is it's okay to not know what's going to happen next and, and have a little uncertainty in your life. And really that's kind of, in some ways, that's where the marrow of life really is, right? And I, when I think back to my time in Somalia, um, there was no, we had a we had a plan of what we we're going to do, but if, if you've ever heard around military circles that no plan survives first contact with the enemy, that's very true. And so you have to have this flexibility and readiness to adapt and to improvise. And when I look back over, you know, certainly the big shift the pandemic brought into all our lives of having to this mass migration of working from home and kind of the world shut down that pulled on my military instincts you know, and they kind of came back to the surface, if you will, after being out of, of military, you know, after being out of military for about 14 or 15 years at that point. And, and really it's, it's exciting because it gives you more sense of life to have that immediately where you're not on cruise control and your life isn't going, you don't have this plan of how everything's going to go. So certainly between, um, knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement and then just having the mindset of flexibility and adaptability was big. And then a third one that I really learned in the military is it's, you don't succeed by yourself and it's not really success unless the people around you are succeeding too. And we had a motto that, you know, no one gets left behind, no Marine gets left behind. Sometimes when we would do exercises or training, we could be on a forced march, which is you've got all this equipment on your back, you've got a weapon, and you could be marching for 15 or 20 miles. And what you find is you can only go as the slowest person. And that could be, you know, and obviously sometimes people might get hurt because that's a long way to go, especially with all that equipment. But you go as slow as you're able to go because you don't want anyone left behind. Yeah, it just... Whenever I meet a veteran, hear your stories, it just makes me appreciate our heroes and sheroes so much more. It's definitely, and I'll really appreciate you sharing those three lessons because so many times what happens is that, especially in today's culture, with the social media culture, it's about so focused on me me and like, you know, and even when we are talking about building a brand, that it's about this individual. And yes, you can build a brand around individual. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you are taking other people with you, there's so much more power to it. And I always keep on going back to Rana Suko and I know listeners, you have probably heard me say this gazillion times that individually we're a drop of water and together we are an ocean. Rana Suko said that. And it's so powerful. It's simple and yet so powerful that when you bring things together, the impact and the magnitude of that impact can be just so vastly different when it's compared to an individual. So as you got out of uh, your life from there, so where was your next stop? 
So I got out in, in 2006, I left active duty and uh, went to work for a Fortune 500 company, which was fantastic. And then I immediately fell in love with yoga and that wasn't part of my plan. I don't know that for the 15 years that I was on active duty in the Marines, I don't know that I could have pointed out to you where a yoga studio was because it just wasn't on my radar. I went to work uh, for an IT company and that was a big shift because my last assignment in the Marines, I was spending a fair amount of time in Central and South America. And as a result, I wasn't getting a lot of email uh, on a daily basis. I might get 50 email a week. I mean, that to me seemed ridiculous today. And when I went to work in corporate America, I would get 50 email in two hours and I would just leave. I would, I remember I would leave the office and my mind would just be this chatter of noise on to-do lists and reminders and meetings and things I forgot to do and things I needed to do. And it was just all over the place. And the weekend I left active duty, I, um, I read a, an article in a sports illustrated magazine about, uh, football players and professional football players using yoga to strengthen their midsections. And so I thought, you know what, I work out a lot. I go to the gym regularly. Maybe yoga would help me stretch and, and just be something different for me. And I decided to go to my first class and it was a gentle yoga class. It was that Saturday or Sunday. So a gentle yoga class, there's not a lot of sweating. There's not a lot of exertion. I kind of felt weird. I was like, okay, this isn't what I expected, but maybe it's still going to help me stretching. So let me give it a couple more tries. And two days later, I went to another class and it was a different style instructor, a different style teacher, a uh, different style class. And um, I was just drenched in sweat and we're 30 or 40 minutes into class. And this is just from moving. And I was like, how can I be so sweaty from moving? But what I really found, Divya, was the quietness that came into my mind especially when I got on the yoga mat. And that was fascinating to me because it was like, what is that? Like I, I, all this noise from work would suddenly go quiet when I stepped onto a yoga mat. And I was like, oh, I want more of this. This is really good. And so as I went to work for corporate America and kind of started to transition my mindset from being in the military, uh, I became a yoga instructor. And that was one of the huge transformations that I made in my life. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. So let's kind of go back a little bit. How did you acclimatize and what issues did you face when you went to Fortune 500 company? Yeah. Where you are, you know, fully disciplined and knowing that, you know, people are going to deliver on what they're supposed to deliver. Whereas when you go to a corporate life and being an ex-corporate myself, as you mentioned, that some people have their own agenda. Some people yep. will not deliver on time. And it's just a lot of, I would even kind of go to a point, up to a point and say that it's, sometimes it can be a jungle. It's, it's very fair. And for me, it was probably five or six years where on a weekly basis, I was comparing what happened in civilian life and my corporate world to what I knew in the military. Because that was literally, that was the only frame of reference I had, even as a kid. Like even as a kid, we only lived, we lived on base. So we lived on military installations for most of my life, except for four years when we lived in Maryland. And that was a completely different experience. And so getting out and realizing that, as you said, people have their own agendas, people have their own interests, their own desires. That was a big shift for me. And part of what I realized was there are boundaries. There are boundaries in civilian life that there, that don't exist in the military. And what I came to realize was, 
in the military, you share everything because I mean, why wouldn't you, you, you realize that you are united towards a common purpose, whatever that purpose may be. And you, and in some instances you live together. I mean, when I was in Somalia, I lived with the same Marines, you know, out underneath the stars every night for two months while we were off our ship and you do everything together. You eat together, you go to the bathroom together, you shower together. I mean, it's just everything. And so there's nothing that is really sacred in terms of something that I'm not going to share with someone because it crosses boundaries. And even within the first few months of being out, um, I remember like having to colorfully express to someone that I needed to go to the restroom and they were shocked that I was sharing that with them. And I was like, oh my gosh, civilians don't talk about that. Okay. Well, I guess I learned something. And so it's a big shift though. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange shift to make. And you realize, as you said, some people are out for their own interests. And that was a big wake up call too, because you saw that to an extent to, you could see that to a little bit in the military, but it wasn't, it, it not to the extent it was. And, and part of it was because in the military, no matter how good a job you do, you're not going to get a pay raise. You're, you'll get a pay raise when everybody else gets a pay raise who's in your rank. You might advance, like especially as it gets higher up into the ranks when you get towards like the generals, then, you know, certainly performance starts to matter and things, you know, people are going to get um, weeded out, so to speak. But in the civilian world, it was it was kind of a free for all. And that was a big surprise to me, too, because it also gave me the first impressions that, oh, my gosh, I can design my life like I can create the life that I want. And that's not something that I consciously thought about when I was in the military. I just didn't have that impression because uh, I don't want to mount, I don't want this to sound overly dramatic, but in the military, your life isn't really your own. Like you are there to serve and you will do whatever it takes to fulfill the obligations of that service. Um, so making that transition into civilian life was a big shift. And that took some time because it's, it's okay. How do I behave in this environment? Like what, what's, what's off limits, what's, what's permissible, what's okay to say, what's okay, how do I interact with people? And that, that takes a muscle that takes some time to exercise. And that, and that was probably certainly one of my biggest challenges was just getting used to being around myself and, and others in a way that I could feel like I could let my guard down and be vulnerable. Um, and that's honestly one of the big contributions that the yoga community helped me with because that is such a different community from the military community. So you talked about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Let's explore those a little bit. So boundaries, I mean, again, part of it was just the conversations you had with people and how you how you spoke to people. And, and in the military... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As I said, there's nothing that's really off limits. And we would go out of our way sometimes to offend one another because of, of just living with the realization that nothing's off limits. Like there's nothing that's going to be so harmful. And it wasn't, it wasn't intended to be hurtful, but it was just, it was almost a way to build camaraderie. And the unit, I guess one of the biggest differences is the military, you look for unity and that unity is prescribed in the civilian world. And certainly as I've progressed through my civilian life, you there used to be this desire for conformity at least from what i could see in corporate america but what's trans what's happened recently which has been really fascinating is at least certainly companies i've been associated with they've started to appreciate that there's real power in diversity and there's real power in bringing an individual's strengths to the forefront of their job and when we do that there's this tremendous leverage because it creates this co-creation mindset and this collaborative mindset that is really, really powerful. And you find that teams that work really well effectively aren't ones that conform to a rigid, rigid structure of how things should be, but they're teams that use their individual strengths. And so when it came to boundaries, it was it was nice because you realize that boundaries oftentimes are a personal manifesto that each person has. And that was unique because again, in the military, it was just, in the military, you identified people by really their rank and what job they had. And now in, in the civilian world, it was a much different, much more sort of dynamic space because now it could be gender, it could be cultural, it could be religious, it could be you know, just any number of different criteria. And opening up to that sort of diversity, especially when you come from sort of this rigid background that the military provides, it takes time to assimilate that. It takes time to, okay, well, how, how do I engage? Oh, I engage with this person differently than I engage with this person, or I uh, reach out to them differently because of how they want to be reached out to, how they want to be engaged. Um, and that was really helpful and, and educational too. And those are very powerful insights. So David, what would you say that, two things, what could you say to veterans as they're stepping into the civilian life? And what could you say to civilians as to what each could adapt from each other since you have seen both sides. Oh, I love this. Um, to, to veterans who are transitioning out, in fact, I'm speaking to some veterans here at, uh, at North Carolina State University in a few, uh, I guess in September, as they're transitioning out. But it's really be as creative as you want to be. Like the structure and, you know, in the military, and I, I, the military is fantastic for what it's designed to do but there are so many rules. There are so many regulations from what you dress and from what you do at certain points of the day. I mean, it's just very, very structured, which is great because it needs to be. The civilian world is not like that. The civilian world is in a lot of ways, right brain dominant. I mean, certainly there's, there's left brain structured elements to it, but there's the opportunity for expression of creativity and to design your life. And again, that's not something that the military mindset requires because 
you're not looking at designing your life, you're looking at defending the country and serving others. If you have never been in the military and are dealing with veterans, appreciate that the background they come from is very structured, very regimented, and very defined. And I would say the best thing that someone working with a veteran can do is to help them see that the world isn't just the lens of what's the next threat, what's the next hot spot. There's a total, it's in a lot of ways, Divya, it's, and this is kind of what I learned from yoga, it's there's an external world that you need to be aware of, but there's an internal world that you get to create and design. And that is where you put your focus, that's where you put your energy. And the more you nurture that, the bigger contributions you can make, the bigger you become as an individual, as a person. And obviously, if you're working from a place where you have a noble motive in what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to look to serve as many people as possible. And that's a very different kind of service, obviously, than the military service. Absolutely. So you have hinted upon several times as far as the yogic uh, lessons have been there. So being part of or yoga being a part of you, you know, one of the things that I've found is that when you are practicing yoga, it's not only physical exercise, it's actually a practice of your mind, where if you look up the definition of a yogi, it's it's about practice of your mind in your daily lives. It streams into your day-to-day life and how you're showing up what kind of behaviors you're exhibiting, how you're interacting with other people. So share with us what are those top three to five lessons that not only you've learned, but you've adapted in your life as well. Sure. So I would say, firstly, in the military, you you live in, you live between two very extreme poles. There's kind of a North Pole and a South Pole. What I mean by that is on one hand, you uphold these virtues like honor, courage, and commitment, and they're very noble things. And it's it's a conscientious part of your day-to-day life. And in the Marines, we said, you're not a Marine just when you have the uniform on, you're a Marine 24 hours a day. So that's one pole. The other pole is I must be prepared to do extreme violence um, in the defense of an objective in the pursuit of a mission or something else. And that is a incredibly challenging space to live in especially when you look back at the last 20 years, the amount of conflict that we've seen in the world, certainly the U.S. has participated with Afghanistan and Iraq. When I got out with yoga, it was one of the, one of the best kind of lessons I've learned about yoga is the relationship between the observer and the observed. And this ability that you can step back from your thoughts and realize that you're not your mind, you're not your thoughts, that those are, you know, you're not even this body really. And certainly as we learn more and more about quantum physics, there is an essence to us. And if you call that soul, if you call that spirit, but harnessing that and realizing that through yoga, you realize that you are a reflection of what you observe. And when you put focus and energy towards how you observe something, you're going to receive more of that back into your life. And so that was certainly one of the biggest lessons that I took from yoga. And really then the second one, and it's funny, I remember probably when I was three or four years into my yoga practice, I started hearing people say, well, you're not really a guru in yoga until you've been doing it for 12 years. And three or four years in, you're like, well, that's a long way. That's, I mean, I've got these poses down. Isn't this it? 
And as you journey through your practice, you realize it is really about mastering this internal game. It's about being mindful. It's about being present. And it's a different kind of presence than the military presence in, in a lot of ways. And in some ways it's very similar because it is when you don't know what's going to happen next, your awareness is front and center and you are physically present. You're not thinking about something that happened two weeks ago or what's going to happen tomorrow. You are right there in that moment. But the, the state of alarm or the state of urgency that you're in is very different from yoga. And when I got to a place where I could realize, where I realized that after 12 or 15 years of teaching, uh, there is stillness and I can cultivate the stillness when I want and when I need to, to bring me back to a place where it's, it's almost like this beautiful neutral observation to see the world as it is. And then how I can make it better than it is and how I can visualize it to be better through intention, through the power of intention. And that would probably be the next biggest lesson I would say was just understanding the power of intention as applied to how I went about my day and how I went about my life. And that was a significant shift for me. Yeah, the power of intention, it's, it can be an immense force in anybody's life. Because as we were talking about in the initial phase of our show today, is that just having that intention of helping somebody out with no agenda for yourself, even if it's for one hour per month, and it can have a power to it that can have such a far-reaching ripple effect. So as you are talking about, how have you taken that power of intention and manifested it in your personal life? Sure. Probably the biggest thing was, as I mentioned, when we first started, um, I loved writing growing up. It was just, I read comic books. I was a huge kind of nerdy person uh, between video games and comic books and Star Wars. That was, that was the staple of my um, upbringing. But when I joined the Marines, I put writing aside because I felt like, okay, that was a childhood dream that I had and I'm in the adult world now. And certainly, you know, by the time I was 24, I'd already been in combat in Somalia. I had ha I landed in Somalia. That was huge. And so that gave me a huge shift in my perspective on the world and just even just seeing the parts of the world that I did from the Middle East and everywhere else. Um, when I came out and realized I wasn't going to be moving anytime soon, I started to realize, oh my gosh, I can start writing again. And for 11 years, I focused on, I wanted to be the next Stephen King because I love, I also loved horror stories growing up and Stephen King was one of my favorite authors. And so for 11 years, Divya, I wrote, I attempted to write horror stories and I would write about a hundred pages at a time. And I had these great ideas and part of it was because I was living in the same place. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I know this place now and I know I'm not moving. And I could never finish the stories. The characters would get too plastic and the story just wouldn't develop. And I would get so frustrated and I wasn't writing every day. I was just thinking that if I was taking the time to write, then it must be perfect. And it, it just should spill out. And I didn't realize that writing was a practice and a habit. And then in 2016, I read Napoleon Hill's think and grow rich. And that book transformed my life because in the first or second chapter of the book, he asks the reader, what is your purpose in life? And I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a purpose. 
like I could have a compass directing me in my life and guiding me towards something. And that was this huge, huge revelation for me. So I, I sat down with a pen and paper and I wrote a um, purpose statement. And then I started working on my first book. And now it was not going to be horror. So I, I was divesting myself of 11 years of trying to write horror stories. Now I was going to be focusing on helping people find their purpose in life. And that was a huge shift. And it was very uncomfortable because I was giving up the genre that I had dedicated myself to for more than a decade. I was now going to be sharing myself in a way that was, uh, you know, exposing myself. I was going to be vulnerable to, to, because that's what my book ended up being. But I realized it was fulfilling a dream. Like I'd always wanted to be a published author and this was part of it. And so I committed myself to, I'm going to finish this book no matter what. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. And it was every single day I sat down to write, whether it was, you know, usually it was on the weekends because I was traveling for work during the week, but I would be so uncomfortable. Like, can I make this, can I at least make this 150 pages? Like, let me at least get to that point. And it was really kind of through the intention of, you know what, I'm doing this and I'm going to create something that is really beautiful. What I found and what I learned from that experience was how the feeling of accomplishing something matters to the accomplishment of what you're trying to achieve. And because I made the experience of accomplishing that uncomfortable, then the experience was uncomfortable. When I wrote my second book, I was so much more excited because I already had a feel for what it was going to feel like when the book was done. That made the writing process so much more enjoyable. And that's been really my huge takeaway where, when it comes to the area of manifestation is the intention is important, but it's also the feeling that you prescribe to accomplishing what you're trying to achieve that is crucial to making that intention manifest. Absolutely. And what you talked about, Napoleon's Think and Grow Rich, it's fascinating. It was written almost a hundred years back and every chapter of it is relevant even today. Yep. The fears that he talks about and how to manifest and how to create your mastermind, it's just fascinating. And you're absolutely right. Like It's about having that feeling as if you have accomplished it. And once you get the feeling of accomplishment, it builds that confidence that helps you take that uncomfortable step. So do share with us, you know, what are your books about and where can people connect with you and where can people find your books? Oh, thank you so much. Um, so my books are available on Amazon. My first book is called Whiskey and Yoga, fittingly enough. Uh, because it was a point in my life where I liked whiskey and I was teaching yoga. Uh, but that book is about finding your purpose in life that came out in 2017. And then my second book came out right when the pandemic started in March of 2020. And it's called The Lighthouse Keeper. And it's a story of mastering your mind. And the idea behind that came from yoga. But the idea is that um, our mind is an ocean. And that's where all of our memories are. And our awareness of where we put our attention as a lighthouse. And so with practice and discipline and willpower and focus, you can begin to direct the lighthouse into the ocean where you want it to go instead of creating these patterns and letting those patterns dictate your life. Um, I'm available on social media, David Richards Author. Uh, check out my website, davidrichardsauthor.com. Well, fantastic. That is great. I love the concept of the lighthouse keeper. It 
illustrates the point of being an observer and guiding your intentions beautifully, David. And David, what's next for you? Uh, so I just was uh, up in Pennsylvania uh, last week filming an online course about absolute certainty. And then my third book is going to come out this December. And it's a, uh, a love story um, that uh, is meant to bring a new definition of love to the world. So it's going to be a little controversial because it puts Thor, the god of thunder, at the heart of Christianity. But it's this idea that uh, we're all gods and we're just looking to evolve the species. And if you were to leave our audience with two to three techniques, tips, lessons that they could go and implement it straight away, what would they be? The first one I would say is adjust the, your mindset to realize that life happens for you, not to you. And that one for me took a while because I had patterns in my life that I kept repeating and I couldn't understand why they kept happening to me until I realized I was, I was causing them to happen through how I perceived the world. And when I made that shift to realizing that life happens for me, not to me, it transformed my life. And that, that also happened around the same time that I started writing whiskey and yoga. The second one I would say is dream bigger than you've ever imagined, because if, if you don't have a dream that scares you, you're not dreaming big enough. And we live in this tremendous age, Divya, where we have access to information at our fingertips. It's remarkable. And when I think back to when I was growing up, it could take weeks and even a month or two to learn information that I can now learn within seconds. I mean, think about how radical a shift that is. And so when we look at this age of individual identity, where everyone has you know, their own social media presence and we have this unique ability to express ourselves and to provide our unique value and purpose to the world dream as big as possible because it's only like technology is only going to continue to progress and our understanding and ability to learn faster and faster is only going to continue to progress so dream as big as possible and then just have the resiliency to realize that it's not about what you get from the dream, it's about who you become. Who you become when you realize your dreams, that's where the real beauty and love of accomplishing a dream comes from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Richard, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, as always, for being part of our family, because without you, the show would not be possible. You are the blood and life of this show. Reach out to us. Let us know if you want us to bring any specific experts, if you want us to bring any stories, any skill sets that will help you the life that you deserve. And thank you, David. And thank you, Juan, for making this show technically possible. So, folks, until next time, be well and take care. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parak. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. 
She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at divyapark.com. We look forward to you joining us next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.